This episode of Adventures in Aurelia is brought to you by Gabe and Jeff from Interparty Conflict, Fred on Fire, Avoridon, and Powerful Condor on Patreon. You can join them in supporting the show at patreon.com slash adventures in Aurelia. Welcome to Adventures in Aurelia, a podcast where five friends sit around the table and record themselves playing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm Krista and I play Ariel, an Asmar Divine Soul Sorceress. I'm Chantelle and I play Kanina, a Tiefling Sorceress. I'm Chris, I play Rim, a Human Paladin. I'm Caitlin, I play Tempest, a Water Genasi Ranger. And I'm Damien, I'm the Dungeon Master. Normally, this is the part in the episode where we would have a shout-out. Since this session was split into two parts, there isn't one for this half. So I'd like to take a moment here to give a huge shout-out to our Patreon supporters. We've gotten to a point where we are able to start commissioning art for the show, and we could not do that without them. There is a new art page on our website to feature the artist we have been working with for the last few months, Daniel Lee, that will be linked to in the episode description as well as under the World of Aurelia tab on adventuresinarelia.com. I'm SP from Better Podcasting, a show dedicated to help make your podcast better. And it is part of the Guinea Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other insightful and wonderful geeky shows at guineageeknetwork.com. Previously on Adventures in Aurelia. Having secured a way home, the party has the rest of the day to explore more of the Midnight Carnival. Tempest is the first to find some games to play, but is quick to try to get the others to join her. Meanwhile, Rem takes some time to go through his new gift from Ariel. As everyone gets back together, they decide to see what has been set up inside of the arena, now that the main event has passed. All right, so the party makes their way into the arena to explore what games and events they have going on. As you enter the central area where yesterday there were the performers dancing and doing their tricks through the night, culminating in Amadon's finale performance, things have been largely cleared out now. There are still the spots of the booths set up but they remain unoccupied. And you see a couple rings around the uh, the inside of this arena. There is a small fenced off arena. It is an octagonal shape. And you see a number of people in armor with weapons milling about in that area off to kind of the other side of things you see a long roped off stretch that bars people from getting too close to where you see a number of targets set up down range from somewhere with a number of bows and arrows there is a relatively small but really ornate dark purple and blue tent that is trimmed in silver and gold and at the entrance to this tent, there is a wooden sign 
that has a crystal orb and a kind of fan of cards coming out from around the side of it. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Another smaller arena that has a interesting enchanted creature penned in and tied with a lead to keep it within its pen area. And you happen to see a person uh, pay a fee to get in and the creature leans down, the man hops up onto it, grabs hold, and the creature starts jumping around and bucking like crazy and eventually throws the man off. And those are the, the main standout activities for you to do in here. As you had seen the night before, the covered pathway that runs around the outside of the main arena, but still inside of the entire building, has a number of stalls set up. That is where you had ran into Eldith the day before, as well as where you guys purchased a handful of souvenirs last night. I don't remember because it has been a while and I didn't take very good notes on it, but was the tournament something we could actually enter or was that purely uh, for, you know, like gladiator type fighting, like the jousting thing at the Ren Fair? There is a tournament that you guys have heard about that is held at the arena. However, this is something entirely different held by the Midnight Carnival. So you are not sure if the melee ring that you see here is something that you guys could sign up for or if it is there more for spectating. However, you haven't asked around much, but the large actual arena fights that take place here once a month are something that you guys could sign up for in the future. Oh, but it's not happening now. No, that is a, a more structured tournament style. There is a melee ring set up at the Midnight Carnival, though, which is different from the normal, like, gladiator fight that they would have in the arena. So we'll look around, and are there any uh, carnival employees walking around wearing, I don't know, the flashy purple and silver colors? Oh, there's there's plenty of carnival people around. There's There's a number standing at each of the stands that I described to you, except for the tent, which it appears that you would have to go inside to see what is going on inside of it. But over at the melee arena, uh, the archery range, and the enchanted creature, you, you do see a number of seemingly uh, Midnight Carnival employees and troop members working at. She'll go ahead and look around to the rest of the party and be like, huh, anything you guys are interested in? I kind of want to go see what's in the blue tent. I think I want to check out the creature that people are trying to ride. That looks pretty wild. Yeah, that certainly looks interesting. Oh, what do you want to do? Oh, both have piqued my interest. You have any uh, anything that's looking interesting, Ram? I'm just kind of following you guys. Well, uh, both of those seem pretty interesting. I wouldn't mind checking out both. Which one looks to have less people around it right now? Um, the tent, you do not see anybody at. The enchanted creature does have a small line of about five people. However, in the time that you've been there, it seems that the line moves fairly quickly. Like, in the time that you guys have had this conversation, three people have already taken their turn and been bucked off. <laughs> Can you a glance over the air and be like, do you think you're interested in giving that a shot? <laughs> I think that I'm currently not strong enough for that. <laughs> I don't know. It might not be about strength. It might be more of a uh, 
dealing well with animals or perhaps... I wouldn't mind watching somebody else do it. I'm more interested in, you know, what's in the tent. Tempest wants to ride the thing, right? Seems like the line's moving pretty quickly. I could just go. Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, I kind of want to see you do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm willing to give it a try, too. Yeah, I'll cheer you on. Yeah, we'll go stand in line for the magical creature bull ride. All right, so the group makes their way over to this mechanical bull-like creature. And the line is moving fairly fast, so it does not take too long to get to the front of the line where the person running the stall looks over at the group and says, Ah, so one of you would like to uh, ride this here mechanical gorgon. It's going to be one gold per try, and the longer you hold on, the better your prize can be. Who among you would like to go on first? You know, look Tempest and be like, do I need to just pick one of you randomly? Put your <laughs> hands up if you would like to have a try, and I'll just pick one of you. Arrow's going to be like, she wanted to do it, and she's going to point at Tempest. <laughs> Tempest will put her hand up. You know, put her hand up as well. But. All right, young lady, it'll be one gold for a try. How many rounds can you go with the Gorgon? Tempest hands him a gold. All right. Right this way. And the Gorgon is currently calmed down. He opens up the gate into the fenced area that it's in and helps you climb aboard. All right, so as Tempest climbs onto the mechanical Gorgon, this is going to be a contested strength athletics check as you are essentially grappling with this creature. 10. 17. One second. All right, one round. Round two. 22. 11. Oh, you lasted two seconds. Got stepped on. (laughs) Tempest climbs on, grabs onto the handhold. The beast stands up, kicks up its back legs, and... Tempest is able to put her weight forward and hang on, but as the back legs come down and immediately the front legs kick off for a jump, she loses her grip and it bounces her off to the side. Oh, two seconds. That's not going to be quite enough for a prize. Would you like to give it another go? Yeah, one more. One more. One more. Okay. Kanina's standing by and cheering you on. You can do it this time, Tempest. All right, Tempest throws her leg over and grabs on one more time. Round one. Once again, that is a 10. 18. She's good with the first buck. Round two. That's a 15. 17. Two seconds. Round three. 17. 12. Oh, getting better at it. Good sport. She made it a little bit longer that time. You can give it another go, but I think we're going to go ahead and let your friend hop on for this next round. Come on, Nina, you got this. Okie dokie. Those athletics? Uh, yes, this will be a strength athletics. 12. That is also a 12. Contested, I think that that just continues the grapple. Natural 20 for a 25. Oh my oh, goodness. Shit. <laughs> 12. Uh, So Kanina hops on and very similar to how Tempest's earlier ones had gone, holds on strong for the first buck. 
and on the second one is thrown back and actually kind of tumbles into the fence a little bit unhurt but enough that the the guy running so i was like oh dear are, are you are you okay that one was a powerful one are, are you okay yeah it was ah I'm fine. Need assistance? Oh, no, she'll she'll get up and she'll brush herself off and just be like, I'm ready to go again. Are you sure? You didn't hit your head or anything. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> I have natural protection. All right, then. <laughs> if, if, you, if you're ready to give it another go, let's get it reset. <laughs> that is a 19. Give me your dice. <laughs> <laughs> 12. Maybe Kanina did tweak something a little bit or, or it bucked a little too quick after she jumped on because the, the Gorgon bucks up on its first step and it's enough to just fling her off to the side. All right, then. That was, was your two goes uh, between the rest of your group. Who would like to, to take on the Gorgon once more? Kanina look around, be like a Tempest, I guess, again. Just like, do you want to go another time? Yeah, I'll do one more. Yeah. All right, then. We'll swap around one more time. I'll give you one more after this, and then you guys are going to have to let some more people have a go at things. Ariel, you should try. And he lets Tempest (laughs) into the pen. 24? 14. With a natural 19. I even shook that one vigorously. (laughs) I saw. Cheater. All right, we'll let you have one more go at it. Which one in your group would like to give it another shot? Ariel shall try. <laughs> My dear, all your friends are looking at you. Would you like to give it a go? I do have to caution you. You aren't going to want to get on with the big thing on your back, though. Um, I'll hold it if you want, Ariel. You never know. It's not always about strength. Sometimes it's about just enduring. <laughs> um. Okay, and she'll take off the spear. All right, it'll be one gold. Since your friends are the ones pressuring you into it, are they the ones paying for it? No, no, it's okay. All right, just as long as I get paid, I don't care where the money comes from. (laughs) That sucked. I got a 10. (laughs) Got a 21. (laughs) She just immediately... (laughs) (laughs) Well... Better luck next time. I I know that you were a little, <laughs> little trepidatious about hopping on in the first place. So you are you, you okay? Pretty pretty good pretty good knock there. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah, just I'll laughing be... at me. Is she okay? She laughs at everything. That was kind of fun. You want to go again? <laughs> I thought I only had one shot, and then well, you're the a rest... new person. Oh. It's a little different, I guess. Okay, I'll do it one one more time. I I just wasn't holding right. You know, it's just when it was the same two people going back and forth and back and forth and back <laughs> and forth. I couldn't let that go on all day. Otherwise, they would start getting pissed off. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> They're paying customers. Yeah, I'll climb back on. <laughs> I got a natural one. So I got a two. I got a 19. <laughs> Stop it, Damien. <laughs> All righty. At this point, unless uh, the old man would like to give it a go, I'm going to have to move on through to the next group of people. Now, this looks like a young man's game. There's a reason they don't see me getting on it. Ariel just brush herself off and be like, I like horses better. <laughs> and then go over to Nina to get the spear back. Yeah. Better luck next time, champs. <laughs> Let's see. I think out of all of you, uh, the two two seconds was the the top one. Keep the remember that amongst yourselves for the next time that you give it a go. See if one of you can make three. All right. And after you guys leave the mechanical gorgon, 
I, I really wanted to go see the tent. I really wasn't interested in that, but I'm glad I tried. Yeah, no, I wanted to see the tent too, but it's fun to try out games while you, while you can. You never know. Sometimes you strike it lucky. Sometimes you're unlucky. So does the party make their way over to that tent then? Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. As you guys approach the purple tent, um, when you get close to it, you, you notice a very interesting aroma coming from it. It's a, a sweet, somewhat spiced scent. Many of you might recognize it to be some form of incense. Mm, it smells good over here. And you guys enter the tent, and it's, it's probably about... 20 by 20 space on the inside, and there is a older woman sitting behind a table. There's smoke filling the air. You look around, and there are a number of crystals and herbs, an ornate mirror, and she she looks up from what she was doing on the table in front of her. Hello. Welcome. What can I do for the four of you today? Um... I was just curious, and we were curious to see what was in here. Uh, many would refer to me as the teller of fortunes, keeper of secrets. Teller of fortunes, huh? I am trained in a number of different methods of helping you realize that which is within yourself. Hmm. I'm curious about some things. Do you want to try to tell my fortune? That is something that we can look into. So how is it uh, you tell people's fortunes? Do you have like special dreams or do you commune with the gods or something? Mostly I interpret things that the cards tell me. We can also do a ritual involving the reading of tea leaves. And if it's something more personal, then I am also known to read palms. Ariel's going to look at her hand. Or a modest fee, of course. Read palms. I don't see words. I think the cards sound good. How much is that? Is this going to be more of a personal expedition, or is it something involving your entire group? Oh. Um, I think that the thing I'm curious about is a possibility for our group possibility for your group, but are the answers you seek personal to you, or does it involve the rest of your traveling I think the answers, just gonna look at everybody, are about me. And do you wish for them to be present? Uh, she's feeling like super awkward. <laughs> um, I... I think it's okay for them to stay. They might be curious. Um, yeah, it's okay. All right, that is your decision. I will do my best to block out their energies. Oh, does it work better if I'm the only one here? They can have an influence over how you see things, but I can do my best to block out their influence and just keep it between you and I. It's part of why I was curious if this was a more personal or entire group thing. Um... If it was for all of you, then I would just open myself up to all of the energies in the room. Oh. Yeah, let's do it that way. All right. For a card reading, it's going to be five gold for each of you partaking. Well, I'll pay for it because this is my thing, so 
I'll do it. So she's going to hand the 20 gold. All right. Will the four of you take a seat? There, There's a number of chairs. There's, there's only a one directly in front of the table, but there are chairs around the edge of the room, and she gestures out for you guys to take a chair and pull it up. Okay. Ariel will sit down in front of her. All right. She pulls out a small deck of cards and begins shuffling through it. What is it that you wish to know about? Oh, I have to tell you stuff. Um... We're just kind of on a path, but I didn't I don't really necessarily want to tell you our the secrets of our path. I see. So you're on a journey. Yeah. Are you just looking to make sure that you are on the right path? In a way, yeah. She flips a card out in front of you, and it is a seven. With her eyes closed, she runs her fingers along the edge of it. I feel that you are on the direction that you are meant to be, and that your answers will be more clear in around seven days. Seven days? How long is the boat ride? Six days. It's creepy. And she flips over another card. It is a Jack of Hearts. There's someone close to this group that seems to be very important. Important not just in a status sense, but in a more romantic one. Ariel's going to look over at Rem and then back at the card. (laughs) She flips over another card. In fact, I believe there are two. Is there more you'd wish to know? Is there anything anybody else wants to know? And she begins picking up the cards that she had laid out already. Is she like packing up the cards and like put them away then? I mean, she still has them in her in her hands. Well, yeah, does it look like she's done though? It does seem that she's gone through what she was going for for this session. Yeah, so can you kind of look and just be like, oh, is, is that it? It was very vague. <laughs> The art of fortune-telling is one shrouded in mystery and reading what I can off of the energies that I get. What I end up finding are possible outcomes that are set before you. Hmm. It's entirely possible that the things I've told you through your own influence can change. In fact, some worry about seeing someone like me because the simple act of hearing something that is coming up can be enough for them to change their own outcomes. Sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. Hmm. If I were to tell you that I saw your death in one week's time, it could be that you go through your life taking higher precautions, except the new path that you have taken, differing from the one that I first saw, could be what ultimately leads to your demise. Whereas others may take that knowledge and embrace what they have and manage to avoid the events that I foresaw. Hmm. Well, all of this uh, reading of the future business kind of goes a bit over my head, but... Oh, I, I, I have a question. Uh, what, would I, what do I decide on the name for my sword is in the future? You can tell me you're that, right? 
your sword. Yeah, she thinks that. Clearly, I would know a good name for the future, so she wants to know what Kanina her would think of. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't know how fortune telling works. That sounds like the type of question that would be better explored through the use of tea leaves. Oh, really? How much is the, the tea leaf reading? Due to the extra materials and special herbs involved, it is a little bit more expensive. A tea reading will run you 15 gold, but it will be just between the two of us. Hmm, Tina's kind of thinking about it. She's just like, in her mindset, this is all, I guess, kind of almost part of the show. It's not that she doesn't believe it, but it's more or less that she uh, is thinking of it as more of an experience rather than like into being, you know, having her fortune told, her, her destiny foreseen and whatnot. So she'll she'll kind of hesitate a little bit at the price just because, you know, it does seem a bit steep. I know she's rich, but... <laughs> well, I'm not sure how much it'll be able to tell me, but if it's going to give me a little bit more than some of these uh, vague answers, I might be interested. All right. I ask you the same question that I asked your friend. This is obviously a more personal journey. Is it something that you wish your friends to be here for? Or would you like me to ask them to step outside? Well, what'll give me the most accurate answer? Because I don't mind them being here. I have nothing to hide. But uh, otherwise, um, if it'll help you uh, commune better with what future me might think, then we can do it alone. Between just the two of us, I do believe that most accurately would just be you in here. We can step outside. Sure. Yeah. Seems like a private event. And as the party starts making their way out, she pulls out a couple teacups and a little uh, pottery jar and a kettle. And she gestures to a spoon in the pottery jar. Says, please help yourself to some tea. Gesturing for you to be the one to scoop it into your own cup. Yeah, Kenino will probably grab and do what she normally does because she does have some experience in the kitchen, but she'll make it strong. So get a nice party spoonful. <laughs> All right. And after you put the tea leaves in, she pours the boiling water over and sets everything down. She pours a, a small cup for herself. So while we let the tea steep for a few moments, what can you tell me about this sword? It seems special to you. Uh, yeah, uh, we used it in a battle against a, uh, a knoll uh, warrior, so it was uh, quite the instrument in our success. So I have been thinking of a good, worthy name to give it. It was made by Ulal Hammerfall. He's a great blacksmith back in Staren. I see, and the events that you've gone through with this are enough that you feel it's now deserving of a special name. Yes, I've been I've been pondering on it, but everything I've come up with doesn't seem quite worthy of it. So I I, I wouldn't mind some direction in figuring out what future me decides. What has kept you from the names that you've thought of so far? Uh, nothing seemed right. It all seems a little too uh, too underwhelming for the deeds it's accomplished and the deeds I hope it'll uh, have for the future. I see. And at this point, she gestures for you to take a drink from your tea. Go ahead and roll me two D100s. I rolled a 50 and a 3. All right, so you end up drinking down the tea 
and she has you set the cup down for a minute to to let the leaves dry out for a second at the bottom of the cup and please hand me the cup okay it'll do so she tips it up looks into it you see her spin the cup around in her in her hands a couple times i see many shapes in this but two of them stand out the most I have a feeling name-wise for this sword, this wouldn't be something literal, though the literal meanings could be taken as more of an inspiration. The, the two symbols that stand out the most are the cat and the javelin. In this instance, I see the cat appears to be wielding the javelin much like I imagine you wield this sword. And this is a name that you've been thinking of for a while and will continue to think of before it feels right to you. The cat symbolizes a curiosity and a mystery and a desire to know the unknown. Which sounds awfully familiar for how you came to me. And the javelin symbolizes a sense of competitiveness and a constant strive to be doing better. Seeing you here and hearing your story, I see that you are someone that is constantly striving to do better things in the world. I have a feeling that the name that you are going to be picking is going to take some thought, but it will have to do with doing good in the world and continuing to push to make things a better place. You know, kind of ponder on this, and she was just like, there was a couple things that did strike a chord with her, and uh, she doesn't quite understand the mechanics of uh, the reading of the future and simple things like cards and tea leaves and whatnot, but she, she, she gets the feeling, I guess, that there's something at work here, and even if it's just uh, this person's good intuition, so, I don't know, um, I don't think she thinks anything weird or fishy is going on with this fortune teller person, so I don't think she'd be the type to really see if she's lying to her or not. But uh, she she does think that the the imagery for the javelin especially was very uh, struck a chord with her, and uh, she's like, "All right, um, I was hoping for a more specific answer, but you've definitely given me a lot to think on, and I guess a little bit more of a direction to focus." So, and as you you say that, she she closes her eyes, sets your cup down, and takes a drink from her own cup. Without opening her eyes, Hope's Javelin. Hope's Javelin? He need to kind of curiously look at her. <laughs> she opens up her eyes. Yes? Oh, what, was, what was that you said just now? What do you mean? Uh, uh nothing, I guess. I, I guess I misheard. <laughs> you know, kind of think to herself that was kind of odd. Can Ina sense anything odd in the air? <laughs> Magic at play here? Go ahead and roll an Arcana check. 25. Kanina, through her time at the Guild of Adventures, being part of the Mages Guild, has heard in passing of storytellers, and at least for the type of magic that the people of the Mages Guild practice and teach, it is often seen as completely unserious, though not necessarily fraudulent. It does seem like something that the people who get into it often if they are popular do 
go through a level of training and apprenticing with a more experienced fortune teller and often the people that take up this line of work entirely believe in what it is that they do but Kinina also knows that it is very much stressed through the mages guild that no matter how much the fortune teller or the people hearing it believe anything that is said to you by a fortune teller is merely a possibility and can often be colored and influenced by the conversations and tellings between the fortune teller and the person seeking their fortune Sometimes it's mostly a matter of trying to lead someone to accept something that they already have partially thought of themselves. And sometimes, especially for the more nefarious, is that they are directly trying to influence other people into a way that may or may not benefit themselves in the long run. So after kind of... uh doing her her check and thinking back on what the fortune teller herself had said as well as what she's learned uh, from the different mages she's come across you know she'll she'll definitely keep this idea in mind of hope's javelin because it does seem like a name that is quite grand and would fit the sword and what she hopes for it for the future because kanina is a very hopeful person so having a weapon associated with hope would seem very fitting for her so kanina will go ahead and get up and thank her for her time. She'll call the others back if they had any interest in doing anything else here. You are welcome. Thank you for taking the time to sit with me. And, you know, we'll look through the rest of the party and just be like, anybody else want a one-on-one fortune? She did say some uh, interesting things that struck a chord. You might have some new revelations if there's any troubles on your mind. I think at this point, Tempest would be like, her stomach would be growling because she did not stop and get food when everybody else did and it's about dinner time. So it would probably be that, like, we're all standing there and then... <laughs> I think I'm going to go find something to eat. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I haven't eaten anything Sorry since this morning. for ruining the moment. <laughs> no, you're fine. I have the rest of this voucher. Yeah, there's no moment. I already got my, my answers. <laughs> and for Rem's information, the, the sun at this point is starting to dip down lower. It, it's interesting for... Those of you that spent time in the tent, it, it felt as you came out that more time had passed than what it felt like was happening inside the tent. <laughs> to, the, to the point that it felt like Kanina had been in there for quite a while. And at this point, we are about 5 o'clock, 5.30. The, the sun at this point is it's getting low because of where you guys are at in the arena it's starting to to dip to where the arena is coming more and more in shade does tempest wish to go find a food stall yes okay there are a number of food stalls out along the outer edge and outside uh, depending on what tempest would like to find a lot of the the vendors here have been focusing on these hand pies because they are something that people can easily grab and take with them. The primary things that you are coming across are the spinach and grape leaf pie, the lamb and leek, and fish pies. Also, while walking around, you see some vendors that are set up more for dessert-type items that have apple pie, sweet potato pie, and a grape pie. 
You wrinkled your nose, but that spinach and grape leaf pie was delicious. <laughs> it, just, it feels like like you use spinach or grape leaf, not both. <laughs> Extra <It's> leafy. Just, <laughs> seems very leafy. <laughs> There's probably like melted cheese and herbs and spices. Yeah, I actually have it written down in detail. That was what King Nina got last time. (laughs) Apparently, I was very interested in the food at that time. I didn't write down what Rem got, (laughs) but I wrote down what I got. She'll just grab a lamb and leek from from one of the vendors. All right, a lamb and leek pie is going to cost 13 silver. So is there anything else the party would like to do as you are here and just in general as you are in Port Norsal before starting to head in for the night? Ariel probably grab one of the, use her voucher to grab an apple pie. All right. Ariel grabs an apple pie from one of the, the vendors on her way out of the arena. And then she'll be like, the last thing on the voucher is the ale, but I don't, it doesn't say honey juice. So, Rem, do you want this back so you can get some ale? No, give it to Tempest. Hey, Tempest. Mm. Uh, Rem won a voucher and it has like a free ale or something on here. Do you want an ale? Sure. I never turned down a free beer. (laughs) (laughs) She'll give Tempest the voucher. Thanks. Tempest will go back to the vendor she got the pie from and get an ale. The vendor presents you with two choices. There is the toppled ogre, which is a dwarven stout, and apple of my eye, which is an elven fruit beer. The apple one. Okay. And he takes the voucher, realizes at this point that it's all been consumed, takes it, crosses off the last one, and puts some initials next to it before shredding it up and handing you a uh, a small, cheaply made wood cup filled with a nice apple-fruited beer. Thank you. A little bit on the effervescent side. Um... You did mention, yeah, there was a dwarven liquor place, right? Uh, I, I did mention, like, in that list, that there is a, a dwarven stout. Um, the mead that was got for Ariel just came from, I believe, just a dwarven bar or restaurant near the square. Um, I don't really want to make a big, long thing about this, but uh, Kenina was curious about buying a bottle of something that Baron would like. Since this is kind of like a little bit more of a dwarvy specialty crafts area <laughs> than Ribbon. Yeah, I mean, even through just the Midnight Carnival, because it is close to Sterengeld, they do have the dwarven stout mm-hmm. that you could buy a, a whole bottle from that would be packaged similar to buying a bottle of wine mm-hmm. just to take on the go. If you do, an entire bottle of it is going to cost you two and a half gold pieces, which is five drinks worth. Or if you're looking to get something like a mead, you could either inquire at the Farron's Favor or go exploring around the square yourself to see if there appears to be a dwarven bar because you were told that it came from somewhere local. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, as we're going around getting food and stuff, Kini will go ahead and keep her eye out for a bottle of dwarven specialty, <laughs> you know, uh, stout or whatever else she kind of comes across that she thinks that Baron will like. She's trying to aim for something that uh, she thinks he'll like for the amount of time we spent together traveling and stuff like that. And maybe he mentioned anything in passing. 
Yeah, I mean, you would know that one of the reasons that the toppled ogre is carried around here is because it is dwarven made and thus made for a dwarven palette. Yeah. So at the very least, you get the impression that it's a safe choice without knowing his particular tastes. Right. And I want to make sure, like, this isn't something that I, w- I could reasonably get in Riven without some sort of... It would probably be seasonal at Riven. I see. Given where Riven is, a lot of what you're going to be getting there is more human-made. Mm-hmm. So I'll go ahead and fork over the two and a half gold to uh, get a bottle of that to add to his little gathering of gifts. Okay. That, I think, Kanina's... Uh chores in this city are about done. The only thing she has left would be uh, doing something at the inn. Okay. Does anyone else have anything that they want to wrap up before we Tempest is probably ready to head back as well. Start packing up. Make sure everything's ready to go tomorrow. I have no more plans for her. So it sounds like we're on to uh, Rem heading back to see Dern and probably a little on the early side because things were were wrapping up a little earlier than you had originally anticipated but you come around you remember where Dern's workshop is from being there just a few hours ago and you walk up he is actively working on the mithril breastplate you actually notice that he's got himself tucked into one of the more back corners and it almost looks like he's rearranged the shop to somewhat obfuscate and create obstacle to get between him and the opening of the shop and you walk up as his back is turned and he's hammering away at an anvil wait until there's like a a pause and air blows me oh yeah yes he looks leans out ah you're you're a little early but i can i can work with it um have you enjoyed the fair so far uh, it's a lot of stuff. Not usually my thing. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that I'm still here working and not doing anything over there. I appreciate it. He uh, pulls the breastplate off of the, the fire because <laughs> as he had stopped before you, you did anything, he had tossed it back on. He's like, I'm going to have to let that, that, that sit for a minute and, and cool. But uh, I've got the backside over here. We can, we can start seeing how things are fitting. And he kind of leans over to to the side picks up the backside of the breastplate uh turn around turn and he he holds holds it up it's already got straps affixed to it and everything so he goes and uh grab the straps and and hold it tight to you okay okay he he grabs the grease pen that he's used before makes a couple markings and things that how does it feel is it, is it tight anywhere? Do you need a little bit more, a little more room anywhere? Any any pinch points or pressure? Rem will kind of give a little bit of movement with what he can do. Feels pretty good so far. I mean, it's hard to tell without the front part, but... All right. Uh, how, how are you feeling right now? Uh, fine. Okay, good. <laughs> and uh, without any warning, and because he's from the back of you, you don't see it coming. He just balls up his fist pulls it all the way back and slams it into your back. Half step forward. And uh, how'd it feel? Uh, it... Barely felt it. Good, good. Firm pat on the back. <laughs> I mean, didn't hurt my hand too much because I know what I'm doing, but I, I felt that a lot more than it seems you did. Great craftsmanship. He turns around, grabs the, the front piece of the breastplate, 
brings it over to you. It's like, okay, let's get this thing strapped on and see how it feels. And it, it's definitely warm to, to the touch, but it's not hot anymore. And he gets you strapped in. All right, go through the motions. Side bends and arm rotations and bend forward and back. Might be a tad tight at the, at the shoulder, but that could just be me. All right, and he, he makes a couple more marks. He goes over to a piece of parchment that he's got some charcoal next to that he's been keeping notes on. See him jot a little bit down. And uh, b- before, we, uh, before we really wrap it in, he goes over to... Uh, to that flap that leads to the back of his shop where he had pulled some of his special stash out of before. And you see him come back out with a cloth-wrapped club. All right, I'm going to have you stand there and I'm going to hit you, okay? Remember, kind of look at him and then kind of like nod. I mean, you know, you know what, it, what it's for. Take a kind of a set stance. No sense in giving it to you. Crack! If it's not doing its job in protecting you. <laughs> Yeah, seems good. Transferred a little bit of the blow, but I mean, no more than I'd Mid-sense. expect. Mid-sentence. Crack! <laughs> that one felt a little a little lower. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to get some padding for this. I can I can build a little. Where, where is it? He, he kind of taps around. Where's, where are you still feeling stuff? A little lower back area right there. Lower back. Okay. And he marks up a little bit more. He's like, I can, I can get a little bit more of the padding built in so you don't have to worry about carrying stuff separate. All right. All right, I've I think I've got what I what I need to to finish working on things. You know, I need to trim a little bit more out of here. Some of these edges need to be rolled a little. Yeah, don't touch right there; it's sharp. I've got to roll roll some of this still. Like I said, it's gonna it's gonna take me a couple days to get it get it all sorted out. That's fine. I uh, I've been talking to my companions. Seems like we're leaving tomorrow in the morning, so. I left you the address you could send it to. Yep, and you, you did you did mention that you'd pay a little bit for the delivery fee. Of course. And uh, hopefully, probably not the next boat that's heading out towards Riven. Uh, but sometime within the week, I'll, I'll have it sent out. So hopefully three, three, four days after you get back, keep an eye on the ships coming in. Maybe talk to the, the wharf masters and... Uh, let them know that you got a package that you're expecting. I'll do that. And I'll leave a promissory note here. Make sure you get paid. Yes, yes. And he, he's got parchment, charcoal for you to write anything down that you need. Go over this, the paperwork part. Mm-hmm. And he'll hold out his hand. Thank you. And he grasps you up on the forearm with a big shake and a little bit of a squeeze of your forearm. It's been nice doing business with you. You as well. Uh, I don't think you ever gave me your name. Rim. Rim Kilpatrick. Oh, Rem Kilpatrick. He goes over to the sheet. He's Rem Kilpatrick. I appreciate the business. This is maybe once a year I get to to work on something like this. You know, you're the lucky one in this, but that this piece that I'm able to rework for you to get this done faster, it's actually because the the person that did the full commission on it wasn't able to uh, to collect on it. Better my fortune. I look forward to, to getting this to you so that it can it can protect you. I appreciate it. Again, thank you. All right, well, maybe next time you're in town, I'll be seeing you. Definitely, and uh, I'm sure that if uh, anybody asks me about the workmanship, I'll make sure that I send them your way. All right, nice meeting you, Rem. Nice, nice doing business. You as well, Terry. He, you know, during this, this goodbye, he's started unstrapping things and 
He uh, undoes the cords that hold the padding in and tosses the piece that he had been working on before into the forge fire, starts heating it back up again. Rim will head back to the hotel. All right. And at this point, everyone else is in the Farron's favor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is there anything in the half hour, 45 minutes that Rem is gone that the three of you wish to accomplish? Finishing uh, packing up our stuff, and then I would like to attune to the sword. Now that uh, the sword has kind of come up in conversation, and she has a good solid direction on its naming, <laughs> she thinks it's time to finally kind of settle down, inspect it, and learn its properties a bit. All right. How does Kinina go about attuning to the sword? Especially since you didn't end up claiming a room here. Are you like just out in the the middle, like sitting in front of the fireplace? You pull it out. Do you go out onto the balcony, try to take one of the rooms for a little bit just for the extra quiet of being able to shut everybody out? Mm, Yeah, I'll take it out into the balcony, I guess. She'll unwrap it from her supplies and her stuff because I imagine it was uh, somewhat packaged there. Take it out, maybe give it a little polish and really inspect it closely. Admire its its master craftsmanship. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she'll look at it under the uh, the light of the setting sun or the evening dusk. And you, you go over, over this sword and it doesn't really look any different to you. But as you wield it, you are carefully inspecting all of the little bits of craftsmanship that went into it, the etching of the runes into the side of the blade and the artistic notes added to things like the cross guard and the pommel. You do feel a warmth and energy coming off of this. She can feel that this sword has a untapped potential that she has been able to unlock through using it to help kill Grimfang and feels that not only is this sword just more powerful than a normal longsword, but that this sword also deals a vengeful, radiant damage. Yeah, she's, um, swordsmanship isn't a uh, craft she's really uh, gotten into, so she she does know that it is a very beautiful sword, very well made, but uh, holding it and trying to do the, you know, test the heft of it and whatnot, it is very awkward in her hands almost, and she does seem to want to hold it like a baseball bat half the time, <laughs> or the equivalent, but uh, she's a little off-put by the sword itself, but the, the magic radiating from it that she can feel... Uh, is very familiar to her and grants her kind of more of a uh, comfort when using this this new weapon. <laughs> While doing this, does Kinina also imbue it with the Ruby of the War Mage? Yeah, uh, Kinina did kind of eyeball this sword initially too uh, because it was so well made as a uh, receptacle for the Ruby of the War Mage. So she thinks that this would be a good time to embed it into the sword. All right, so within the same sort of ritual as Kanina was going over the sword and figuring out its new unlocked capabilities, she also takes the ruby that she had previously spent some time with and holds it up against the pommel, and the two fuse together. 
So aside from being this plus one radiant longsword, it also has the attributes that the Ruby of the War Mage gives her as well. In doing so, and uh, after infusing the sword with the Ruby of the, the War Mage, I think she'll go ahead and ponder on the name. She'll look at it and think of what the fortune teller said and be like, Hope's Javelin, huh? Well, I think uh, I definitely like the idea of hope, but I think justice also suits me, so maybe I'll name you Hope's Justice. Is that the name that Kenina wishes to go with? Yep. Same initials. All right. And is there anything else that Kenina does as she wraps up with this? She'll give it one final polish, make sure everything looks good with it, and as the sun sets, she'll go back in and sheathe the sword. And we will go ahead and end tonight's session with Ariel and Tempest sitting inside the penthouse suite of the Farron's Favor as Rem walks up from the stairs below and Kanina enters from the balcony, newly attuned to her sword. And we are, especially because it'll help me for in the future, wrapping up at about 7 p.m. on the 5th of Mananon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Adventures in Aurelia. You can help the show out a ton if you tell others about it by sharing episodes on social media. You can support the show by donating to us monthly on Patreon at patreon.com slash adventures in Aurelia. Your support helps us buy new equipment to improve the show, as well as commission art to help others visualize our world. Lastly, we'd like to thank the artists who allow us to use their music in our show. Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, Tabletop Audio, Windswept, Sirenscape, Alexander Nakarada from Serpent Sound Studios, Adrian Von Ziegler, Scott Buckley, Michael Gelfie, and Alec Wiesner. You can find links to all of these wonderful artists at adventuresinarelia.com slash music. Deep within a festering swamp, a crumbling edifice stands defiant against the ravages of time, holding secrets not meant for the minds of mortal men. Can anything hope to stand against the evil that stirs from centuries of dark dreams. Join Tovin. I cannot tell you how many corpses I've stitched together. That's how I got my chops up for this job. They don't bring you the princess to start with. You have to work your way up. Yosef. Tovin, I think we're being followed by a golem and a troll. Billiam. Now she's calling me fat, guys. You know what? I'm out of here. <laughs> Soulless. Father Apsu, the waybringer, the exiled worm, the maker of all. Accept these, your children, from this veil of tears and bring them safely to your fold. And Kashak. Can we dig a hold of something? It stinks in here. As they delve ever deeper into Gauntlet, slaying monsters and cracking wise while having a great time doing it. Every Monday, we release a new episode of World for Intent, a playthrough of the Abomination Vault's adventure path for Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Get it wherever you listen to podcasts. Check us out at RollForIntent.com and join our growing Discord community at discord.rollforintent.com. We can't wait to bring you on this journey with us. 